Let's freaking go. I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about Brian Kelly's most recent press conference. We'll talk about the night kickoff. That's always one of the biggest news stories. You'll have a night kickoff versus Auburn, and then you'll have one versus Army. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. But for right the frick now, the big story, Jaden Daniels will be a full participant at practice on Tuesday. So for those out there that truly were scared, and I was one of those because just a few years ago, Miles Brennan hurt his ribs early in the game, continued to play the entire game, and you had no idea if he was going to be available for the rest of the season. You would have thunk he would have been fine. I know a lot of us had fears of that since Jaden Daniels also hurt his ribs going in the direction of the same end zone Miles Brennan did. But Jaden is going to be just fine. Now, I do want to include something when bringing that up. That does not mean that the injury will continue to not linger. I know I didn't say that smooth at all. Huh? 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 Um, you know, hits do pile up as the season moves on. And Jaden, if we're being real here, the Mississippi State game took a lot of shots. The Arkansas game, not quite as many as Mississippi State, but he till, still took some big ones. Ole Miss, he took some colossal ones. And then again versus Missouri, he took some really tough ones. So not only is Jaden having this Heisman-like season, he won Offensive Player of the Week again today. Three out of the last four weeks, he has won the award. And you can argue the Ole Miss game, he was shafted of that award uh, after what he did versus the Rebels. He is playing through a lot right now, and I just can't quit gushing about Jaden Daniels at this point. And for some reason... Uh, the people that would extensively hate on Jaden Daniels, they don't exist anymore. They're not in my comments anymore. That's weird how that works. So, obviously, really freaking good stuff. Now, the other big injury report is surrounding Charles Turner. Okay, so the knee injury uh, Brian Kelly feared that there was going to be some meniscus damage mixed in there. He said the MRI came back mostly good, but at this point, he is probable. Um, he was really excited with what he saw from DJ Chester. He was also very complimentary of Marlon Martinez and said that Marlon just had a few tough snaps. But right off the jump here, um, it does look like we avoided two very serious injuries with the two players that touch the ball more than anyone else on the team. And that of course is Charles Turner and Jaden Daniels. So it looks like all systems go there. Now, before we get to your live comments here, I'm just going to go through um, the big news uh, from this press conference. Chris Hilton remains doubtful um, after the ankle injury he suffered versus Ole Miss. Omar Spates, like we just mentioned, Charles Turner and Aaron Anderson are probable going into this next week. Now, there's a lot more we're going to get into, okay, including uh, Brian Kelly backing up Sage Ryan. 
here. We have been, uh, of course, very critical of Sage on this channel with some of his recent uh, performances. Now, uh, we'll start here with Crying Belly. We say hi to LA Mom, Connor, LD88, a lot of um, uh, really, really awesome people in here. Carter, what are your early thoughts on Auburn? Or are you going to save that for another episode? Also, you're 100% right about Missouri, even though I didn't believe you. Yeah, uh, so obviously Crying Belly's talking about uh, a deep 20-minute video I did six months ago on Missouri. Um, I actually had LSU beating Ole Miss and losing to Missouri before the season. Um, so, yeah, obviously those results were flipped, but I thought LSU was going to do lose one of these games. And you see how difficult it is to win back-to-back -back road games, okay? We saw Alabama just conquer that feat. They're only the third team since 2019 to win both games of a back-to-back -back road game situation, and it's hard to do it. You've got to have some things go your way, especially winning that back end of a back-to-back -back road game. And one of the biggest things that you really need to go your way is your defense either has to play really well, which obviously didn't happen, or your quarterback has to be transcendently good. Um, if we're being honest, Jaden Daniels, that performance versus Missouri wasn't really a surprise to anyone that's been watching. Um, I will say this as an LSU fan, and once again, I love LSU football in the bottom of my heart. But one thing that is working against you right now, excuse me, is Jalen Milrow has played really good football recently for Alabama. That is not a good thing at all if you're an LSU fan. Not at all. Um, he was phenomenal versus Texas A&M. Now, he's obviously not Jaden Daniels level, but at this point, if you're a quarterback and you have a pulse, we are making everybody look like Johnny Manziel, Cam Newton, Joe Burrow out there. So we, we've got to be better on the defensive side of the football. And we'll get to more of that here. Um, you know, Brian Kelly was complimentary on how the defense performed in the second half of this game. He said that there were a lot of things that are starting to come into shape. I think the big takeaway from that blurb, him talking about the defense was one simple truth. The LSU defense is starting to get some kind of rhythm at the linebacker position, okay? So we know at this point, Whit Weeks is going to be a big part of what we do for the rest of the year, okay? But the bigger point that Brian Kelly made today is that Harold Perkins has find his role, okay? So... If we have Perk playing at the level that he played this past weekend, I am really excited about the rest of the season here for Harold Perkins. I think his almost field goal blocks affected the kicker this past weekend. Obviously, the interception was huge. He had a huge tackle on Luther Burden. That's a play we actually skip, cut out of the film study. Um, he did a lot of things really well. And one play that was very underrated for Harold Perkins we blitzed him off the edge on a third and four. We forced Brady Cook to throw the football incomplete to an open Luther Burden. And guess what? We forced a field goal that Mevis ended up missing. So um, Harold Perkins is playing really, really, really well. Now, 
we go to another player that Brian Kelly talked about today. Um, he talked about Kylan Jackson, um, a, a, a little bit of a jokey comment about him tying his shoes and a gold chain or something like that. Um, I like when reporters ask questions about guys we haven't seen. And Kylan Jackson is someone we've just not seen up to this point, uh, despite a lot of fanfare coming in. But he was asked about Ryan Yates, and he said he wants to see Ryan Yates be a little bit more aggressive. He wants to see Ryan Yates play with a little bit more gusto, if you will. Um, I, I've, I've got to be real. Ryan Yates has done some really good things. Obviously, the Ole Miss uh, bat down was really good. That's a play he shouldn't make, though, as the unblocked uh, blitzer. We saw him on the field um, for quite a few snaps, and Missouri had a lot of success throwing in his direction. He is a true freshman. You will never on this channel see me pile on a true freshman. DJ Chester had some rough snaps. Every time I say it, he's, I'm going to mention he has he's a true freshman. So these guys that are true freshmen uh, at LSU, I am always, always going to be defensive of them. Always. So I got to be real. Really excited about the future. Starting to get a little bit more excited about this true freshman class as those guys are starting to get more playing time. It is a little bit interesting, though, that the guys that are playing the most as true freshmen are guys that you probably didn't predict before the season as guys that will play a lot as true freshmen. So it's very, very, very interesting. Um, so let's see. Oh, yeah, Sibley, good to see you. Uh, he's talking about Jalen Milrow, uh, LD88. JD5 is now the number one QB in the country per 247 sports. I mean, I, I think it's blatantly obvious that he's the best quarterback in college football right now. Um, honestly, LD88, I think when we look back at Jaden's career, we will look at this four-game run of Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Arkansas, and uh, Missouri. This is Burrow stuff, right, where Jaden is not having – a bad game. And it's not that he's not having a bad game. He's not having a good game. He's not having a great game. He has had four exceptional games in a row. And that's what's crazy about Joe Burrow's 2019 season. He did not have a game where he wasn't exceptional. Every single game, he was exceptional. And Jaden is playing at that clip right now. Um, he's doing it with his legs. He's doing it with his arm. Intermediate throws, deep throws, shallow throws. He's doing it all right now. And, you know, enjoy it. Enjoy it. You know, get these types of quarterback performances for your team all the time. Um, I, I did not think this was going to happen. I thought he would be better. I thought he would be one of the 10 best quarterbacks in college football. But for me to say at this point that he is the best quarterback in the sport especially after week one versus Florida State where he had some misses, it, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. I would say in these last four games, only one half I would consider to be not so good, and that was the first half of the Arkansas game. Outside of that, he's been exceptional. There's just no other way around it. He has been exceptional. 
And look, we all have friends and family and other LSU fans that you chat with that don't like Jaden Daniels. He is an unorthodox quarterback. But now they're even saying what needs to be said about Jaden, that he is one of the best quarterbacks to ever play at LSU. I will also say this. Uh, there was a really good uh, question in this Brian Kelly press conference where, and, and actually two different ways they asked BK, what changed? And Brian Kelly said the things that we had been saying on PHL this offseason, that Jaden needs to play more within the pocket, more within the framework of the offense. And I highly recommend you go look at the touchdown throw to BTJ and take a look at the two-point conversion throw to Malik Neighbors. And you could see Jaden is throwing the football not only mechanically better with a more compact and quicker release, but he's also throwing with far more anticipation. On both throws, the receiver was not wide open when he threw it. It was when the guys were just now getting out of their break is when he threw those footballs. And one of the biggest gaps from Jaden Daniels from last year to this year is last year he would throw the football only when the receiver was wide open, and that causes the football to be late. This year, he is throwing the football before the receivers get open far more frequently, and that was truly, truly, truly incredible to witness. It's a very difficult thing to master, but we could also say this. Your five quarterbacks that have a lot of starters experience do have a tendency to take these jumps, right? And one guy that I would actually compare Jaden Daniels to is Stetson Bennett in many ways, right? Except Stetson Bennett has a defense and Jaden Daniels doesn't, right? You're seeing uh, a very flawed year four quarterback make a huge year five jump. And that is what we are witnessing right now. Um, it's it's crazy, absolutely crazy. Now, Jaden also has been under duress on some of these throws. That's something else Brian Kelly brought up in the press conference as well. He's throwing better with a dirty pocket. Um, he he delivered, you know, the the throw to Mason Taylor uh, that was just short of the six in the first half. He got hit when he threw that one. Uh, the Malik touchdown, yes, it was wide open. He was hit when he was thrown on, on why he was thrown there. Um, it's it's a difference. It's a difference maker, man. Uh, but yeah, I, I it's it's going to be very interesting to see how all of this plays out. Now, one thing that is going to need to play out this week is what are we going to do at center? All right, so we'll see how all of that um, plays itself out. Now, of course, we did see one major shift with the defense this past weekend. The defensive line did play better when you're talking about the first string guys, okay? This was a good game for Mason Smith, and this also silences the he should come off the bench crowd because he did make some things happen. Now, was it a dominant performance from him? No, but it was a better performance, and he was really good for us. Makai Wingo had a, a very solid game. Braden Swinson was fan-freaking-tastic in this game. I think Savian Jones did some things better 
uh, this week. And the backup line really struggled on the defensive side. But still, the front seven of LSU's defense played better than they did versus Ole Miss. It still wasn't a whole lot better, but it was a step in the right direction. I think one of the biggest steps in the right direction, though, was Harold Perkins. I saw some flashes versus Ole Miss. This game versus Missouri might be added to the Harold Perkins all-time collection of games we do not win without him. And I think this one's up there. Obviously, the Arkansas performance is always going to be probably his best performance. But Missouri might be number two. I mean, he had some better statistical games. Obviously, the Alabama game was legendary. Ole Miss game was legendary. But God, he made so many plays in this Missouri game um, after rewatching the game. Um, very good stuff. Now, we get to the secondary. All right, we talked about Ryan Yates already. Ryan Yates should play, and he should continue to play a lot. Still very skeptical, but he is just a true freshman. You'll never hear me pile on a true freshman. Now, uh, Zay Alexander, uh, Brian Kelly was asked, how do you feel about the outside corners? How do you feel about Sage Ryan? And Brian Kelly's used a word that uh, has been used a lot uh, when he describes Sage Ryan. He's mentioned that Sage Ryan is experienced. He's mentioned that Sage Ryan knows the calls. He's also mentioned that Sage Ryan is reliable. That is a word that he used for Sage Ryan. Now, like I always say when I you know, push back on something Brian Kelly says, he knows way more about football than I do. So you guys don't need to go in the comment section and say, well, what are you to say? I'm, I know I'm not an all-time Notre Dame winning his coach, okay? Obviously, that is him protecting his players because Sage Ryan is the opposite of reliable at this point. He's missing a lot of tackles. Um, did he do some good things in this game? Yeah, you know, he had a very critical block on the Jay Bramblett punt uh, at the end of the game. But uh, he, he's missing a lot of tackles. He's taking himself out of a lot of plays. So I think at this point, I was a little bit shocked to not see Ashton Stamps at some point in this game. Not shocked that Denver Harris didn't play. They asked about Denver Harris in this game, and uh, Brian Kelly said in the press conference that Denver Harris is moving along. Okay, um, so yeah, at this at this point, um, it's 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 just true that we are still in an overall meltdown mode at the wide receiver position. Now, I will tell you this. Auburn is a team that I've not watched a whole lot of. I'll be straight up with you. I do an SEC channel. Uh, you know, when I've done Auburn videos, they don't they don't do as well as some of the other teams like Arkansas, Texas A&M. So I, I focused on doing videos on the teams that you know that the fans of the channel actually watch. And I spent a lot of time studying Peyton Thorne this off season, and uh, did a bunch of videos on him. Nobody on Auburn watch. So I, I focused on you know some other. SEC teams. So I've not watched as much Auburn as I have the other teams. Maybe some of you have watched way more Auburn than me. Um, obviously, their passing game has been atrocious uh, up to this point. But, you know, what, what makes this game very tricky 
is this game is an 11 point spread in favor of LSU. Okay. Now, do I like that line? I do not under any circumstance like that line. So Brian Kelly talked about how him and Q freeze have, have grown as honestly, you know, friends now that, you know, they're both in the sec and they go to all these meetings. Auburn does not look good. You know, Texas A&M really controlled that game. Auburn's win versus California was very lucky. They 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 went five straight games of not throwing over a hundred yards. They have been abysmal, abysmal offensively. Okay, and I will say this though, I still think Hugh Freeze is an elite coach, and LSU as an eleven point favorite. Coming off back-to-back road games, the team is relatively banged up, and Auburn is coming off a bye week, okay? This game always gets weird, so an 11-point spread is a lot. It is a lot, if you ask me. Um, Here's one thing about Hughes' offense, and this is what concerned me about this game. My thoughts on Auburn going into the season was this offense is going to suck early on, but it's going to get better because Hugh Freeze is a genius, if we're being honest. Once again, not condoning anything in his personal life, but he's a really good coach. Okay, so we better be ready for uh, someone who could scheme up Guys, we know Peyton Thorne can win big games. We know Robbie Ashford tore us up last year. He did. Okay. We averaged 3.6 yards per play in this game last year. We're obviously not going to do that on Saturday. But the bigger atrocity was, to me, Robbie Ashford averaging 6.3 yards per play versus us. Now, you take a look at that Auburn game. Greg Brooks won us this game. He unfortunately will not be there to bail us out yet again. Harold Perkins will be there. He had a big game. But the big play was actually made by B.J. Ojolari and Jay Ward. They're not going to be there. So a lot changes from year to year. That Auburn win was probably our luckiest last year. And historically speaking, okay, I know – You can't go and look at all these year-by-year trends, especially when, you know, Auburn's got a new quarterback. They got a new team, basically. They lost their best pass rushers from the year before, and it's just a brand-new team. But for whatever reason, you go take a look at the yard-per-play splits of Auburn historically and just our teams historically, we annually underperform when we play them. There are few instances where we just way outperform expectations and blow this team out. It just doesn't happen. You honestly really have to go back to like, honestly, that that Russell Shepard game in Tiger Stadium. I think that was uh, 09, 010, I don't remember the year. And he just went off in that game. We, uh, it's always a weird game. And this is going to be, you know, one of the last LSU Auburn games. So, yeah, um, actually, of course, 
uh, Leonard Fournette game as well as Crying be- uh, Belly, uh, you know, brings out. But outside of those two, how many can you really name? Okay, how many can you really name? Where we just played unbelievable football, unbelievable football. Yeah, but we blew out everybody in eleven. Ah, 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 ah. So, what? Oh nine, eleven, um, then twenty, twenty fifteen. So, there you go. Now, next thing. I love it. Okay, when, you know, your priors get confirmed, Um, you know, I I do my own evaluation on every player that goes to LSU and I watch as many of their high school games as I possibly can take into account the recruiting rankings, size, weight, all that stuff. And one of my boldest takes is Emory Jones is a five star prospect when he was coming out of high school. Um, and the services pretty much all had him outside, you know, the top 100. So they had him as a really good four-star. And, you know, up to this point, Emory Jones has, has been a five-star level player for us. And he was SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week. So I love seeing that. I love it for him. Never gotten to meet him. Um, he does follow me on Instagram, so I'd, I'd love to have him on here at some point. I've just always loved him. Obviously, you know, my family has an extensive history with the Catholic high school. Um but I didn't go there. So, you know, I, I love seeing him ball out, right? And I, I want to take some time. Obviously, Will Campbell is just so phenomenal. Miles Frazier, Garrett Dellinger, fantastic again. Uh, don't care what, what really anyone has to say about that. I mean, those guys are just – I mean, I think we all – I think every service, uh, grading service out there had Will Campbell as a top 50 guy. And – He's grading well on PFF and all that stuff. But we knew going into the season, Will was going to be great. We didn't know Gary Dellinger and Miles Frazier would be this good. Yes, it does help having an elite quarterback play. Elite quarterback play makes everyone look a lot better. Um, but those two guys are playing really freaking good right now. Really freaking good. And if we're being honest about Gary Dellinger, his first two years, when he played against Power 5 teams, he, he was not good. I mean, he got eight up. And he took those performances and grew as a player. Miles Frazier, the same thing. But I want to spend some time talking about Emory Jones here really quickly. Um, you know, Emory Jones is a guy, when he got to LSU, he was working in at guard. Okay, he was, he was playing guard. And that's his natural position. In high school, he played tackle. When I graded him, I graded him as a, as a guard. And I think that's where LSU wants him uh, to be in the future and have Lance Hurd, of course, start at right tackle. So this guy played tackle in high school. gets to LSU. They're going to make him a guard. Everybody else, we had we had a ton of other blue chips, uh, offensive tackles, that could have stepped in and played the right tackle role versus Mississippi State three games into the season. He's starting at right tackle as a fall enrollee at a position he wasn't even practicing at. 
And not only did that game he block well, he also made a tackle on punting. Okay. Phenomenal stuff. Really freaking happy for Emory Jones. Don't know him. Okay. Um, but always as objective as I possibly could be. Um, I thought he was going to be this good. I really do. Now, he's not perfect. He, he He's not. But, God, I mean, he's so good. I just don't even want to envision where we'd be if we did not have him and Will. I mean, that is just such an amazing offensive tackle duo. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Now, um, is there anything else? Oh, the Army game being at 630. Okay. So let me show this to you right here. I and, and I understand for those that are going to the Army game, I know Sibley's going. Um, so once again, every Monday press conference, we are going to know the start time of the game of the next week, if that makes sense. So we know for sure Tuscaloosa is not going to be an 11 a.m. kickoff. So, Texas A&M historically is not an 11 a.m. kickoff. Is the Florida game going to be an 11 a.m. kick? The last time Florida came to Tiger Stadium, it was an 11 a.m. kick. Will the November 11th game be an 11 a.m. kick? I don't know. But at this point, LSU has played all their home games at night. And that continues versus Army. Okay? We are very lucky. Uh, I think it was a Georgia account that tweeted out before the season that we have by far the fewest home 11 a.m. kickoffs. And that's the way it should be. It should always be Saturday night in Death Valley. Okay? So there you go. Now, as always... If you want your question to be answered immediately, if you uh, super chat, we'll go straight to it. Always good to see you guys. We, we always go live Monday after the Brian Kelly press conference. Everybody, welcome to the channel. Racks on racks on racks. Do I think Logan Diggs is better than Ty Davis Price? I do. I know it's kind of strange because they both wear uh, the number three. They're both built very similar, and obviously. Um, I, I know Ty Davis Price's dad. Uh, I actually got to meet him uh, a few weeks ago. TDP was a very good back issue, very good back, and very reliable. It's 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 kind of crazy to think about how much he he carried us uh, in in some tough spots. Right, played a, a lot on the 2019 team. Um, you know, Leonard Fournette, you know, left the team and he became the top backup. Then John Emery, uh, you know, had these injuries, had these academic uh, things pop up, and TDP just shouldered the load. And he took a lot of criticism for some really poor blocking schemes. And once the blocking got better, he got better. He has played in so many big moments for us, and TDP is always going to be a legend. Um, Logan Diggs is so freaking good. So freaking good. Um to the point where in a scholarship running back room where there are eight scholarship running backs, TDP, I say TDP, 
Logan Diggs is still getting 20-plus carry games. Do you know how hard that is to do? Okay? It's hard as a fall enrollee. Now, some of that is obviously Brian Kelly. He is going to have an affinity towards Logan Dix because you know Logan Dix followed him to, to, to LSU, right? Uh, Logan's always going to be one of BK's guys. But he is the best running back on this team. And one thing that kind of shocked me is it's the gap between him and the next guy. Now, is it true that Caleb Jackson has the most talent? Yes, it is true. And Caleb Jackson would give LSU a little bit more home run hitting ability in terms of actually housing a long run. True. Logan Diggs' game is not that final burst, okay? But goodness gracious, he knows how to play football. He has got such great wisdom. And you see it. You honestly see it. So... To fend off seven other scholarship running backs is impressive. And Brian Kelly was asked, hey, would you like to have another back emerge and and be um, be a number two guy? Because the carry disparity, you know, Logan Diggs had 20-plus carries. The next highest at the running back position was two. Brian Kelly's answer is one of his better answers today. Logan, and and this is something that's just always going to be true in any field, okay? In any field. If you're undeniably exceptional at everything, you can't be taken out of a situation, okay? So that's always going to be true in pretty much any field, any walk of life, all right? It is hard to be undeniably exceptional with this much competition that Logan Diggs has in that running back room. But John Henry dressed out. He was there. I don't think he played a snap. Josh Williams was by far our clutches running back. Two carries. Noah Kane had the highest success rate in the SEC. Nowhere to be found. Still playing on special teams. Caleb Jackson just chalk outlined a guy. Trey Bradford started. Doesn't matter. Shows you how good this guy is. Logan Diggs is the real freaking deal. Okay. Scott O'Connor, is the LSU staff being hard-headed, continually starting Ovi over Swinston? Good question, Connor. So, as you always say, uh, Ovi is a, a, a friend, right? He, he jumped on this channel before. Um, he is awesome as a person. And he's been fine as a player, right? He is an SEC caliber player, right? Up to this point, he's not been the playmaker that is Braden Swenson. Now, truth be told, Connor, Swenson did have a high PFF grade. Okay. The final sack, he did get some help because Brady Cook 
honestly, in many ways, lost that game versus Missouri. I know that that sounds crazy because you look at his stats, he was amazing. But Brady Cook does not step up into the pocket ever, and that helped Swinson get that strip sack. But he he has been the better pass rusher out of the two. That is an undeniable fact at this point. I do like Ovi being a part of our defense still, though, because he is experienced. He's played a lot of football. Um, you know, he's a Brian Kelly guy. And at this point, if it is the game on the line, we need someone to go make a play. Ovi shouldn't be in over Swinson, but I'm fine with Ovi still getting reps. And I do want to point out one thing that Ovi's best game last year did come versus Alabama. So um, I still wanted to be involved, especially in that game. So there you go. But yes, could we see more Caleb? Yes. I think at this point, if I were LSU, and let's just say you're playing Auburn, and you're up by 10, you're up by 14, you're up by 20, 21, I would take Logan Diggs out of the game. Okay? And just make sure he's in the game. In super competitive situations. Okay. Um, You know. The truth here. Is. There are a lot of things. That Logan Dix does better than just everyone else. But I'm still a believer in Josh. I'm still a believer in these other running backs. So I don't want you to think that I am just out on the rest of the room. I still believe in them. Okay. So let's keep it moving here. Okay. That's a good question, uh, Jordan. It is different, very different. So I, I don't know what, what the stat, I don't know what exactly happened there. Um, but he was hurt, he won 100%. No, LSU will still play Auburn. It just won't be as frequent. It just won't be every year. Okay. Now, Pierce. Um, he does have one more year of eligibility, I believe. Okay. Um. As crazy as that sounds. <laughs> now, coming up right after this, I do have one interesting scenario for this LSU secondary. Um, one thing that I would like to see, but first. PHL Nation. Oh, yeah, baby. You know about Louisiana Controls. They've been showing us love throughout this college football season, and I'm looking for you to do the same when it comes to your energy management 
commercial HVAC needs. It is all with our buddies who have been doing this for over 40 years. Yes, that is four decades. You know this Louisiana weather gets crazy. Go to LouisianaControls.com or call 225-924-4990, baby. Let's go. So, I am to the point, okay? And this is obviously just a bizarre question. Uh, I think I've touched on everything that I've wanted to touch on here. Uh, I, I'll, I'll show you basically uh, just a written down version of, you know, all the tweets that came from this. So once again, um, as we said earlier, Chris Hilton is doubtful. Omar Spates probable. Aaron Anderson probable. Charles Turner probable. Okay, so looks like Chris isn't going uh, to 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 play. Um. It's a quote Brian Kelly gave via Jacques Doucet in the postgame. Uh, this wasn't for today's press conference, obviously on Saturday's press conference. Major Burns uh, should have fallen down after the interception. Uh, yeah, obviously he should have. I will say that pick is a little bit different when you're jumping a lane and you see the end zone um, compared to like if he caught like a Hail Mary interception and just falling down there. But you do you do need to fall down, okay? Um, once again, these are all the uh, if you're just joining us, all the big things, all the big takeaways from this press conference, including Mason Smith playing his best game under Brian Kelly's tutelage. Okay, now this is what I would say about the LSU secondary at this point. Okay, I. There's a difference when it comes to SEC players or just players in general at any sport. Okay. I like to divide them into three separate categories when you're judging a player. Okay. Is the player exceptional? Is the player playable? Or is the player someone that shouldn't play at all? Okay. Now, obviously, there are more layers to that, right? Like Malik Neighbors is exceptional, right? Brian Thomas Jr. is also exceptional, but he's not quite at the same exceptional level level as Malik Neighbors is, okay? But they're both exceptional football players. And then you have playable players. Uh, to me, someone that is playable, a guy that's just good, uh, who you can rely on and and give you something, someone like a Jordan Jefferson, if you will, a Greg Penn. They're playable. They're, they're good. They shouldn't be on the bench unless there's somebody exceptional who could take their role, okay? And then you get into the final category where you're not playable. You're unplayable. You're someone that needs to be on the bench, okay? And it's without reasonable doubt that the position group that has the most unplayable players is the secondary. Okay. Um, and that is an issue for this reason. You have to have more of those guys on the field than any other position on the defense. Okay. You got You're always going to have at least four on the field. Sometimes five. It just depends on how the packages work itself out. And in this instance, for the LSU secondary, they catch a major break 
Harold Perkins is a freak athlete, so now he's kind of playing a nickel. So you really only need four DBs. And we still don't have a playable percentage of DBs at this point. Okay? And at this point, the opposite corner of Zion Alexander is not playable. There is not a guy on this roster right now that is playable at this point there. As in, they are so bad that a replacement level corner anywhere in the SEC is a better version than everybody else we have at that role. Which is why I wanted to see a little bit more Ashton Stamps. Why I wanted to see even Jeremiah Hughes at this point. Let's see what he's got, okay? Um, You know, he played at Bishop Gorman High School, and in practice, he went up against Zachariah Branch, who is probably the best true freshman receiver in the country. So he is battle-tested. Let's just see it at this point. Uh, I know he was a three-star, and he he wasn't great. Um, um, He he wasn't necessarily a a great performer in the spring or whatever. But, man— I'm, I'm to the point now, and I, once again, I said what I said earlier about Sage Ryan and Brian Kelly saying it was reliable. Try, try, try the walk-ons. Try something. Try some offensive players that could play DB. You know, in a lot of like these seven-on-seven settings, there's a lot of these guys that play both ways. In high school, you play both ways. The best corner on the field this past Saturday was a wide receiver recruit coming out of high school. So right now, Zion Alexander is playable to me. Okay, he's playable. He's 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 fine. Corner is not somewhere where you could really play with somebody that's unplayable. And we're seeing that at this point. And what happens when that happens is... And, and this is the thing about football. Football is outside of the quarterback position who could cover up a lot of holes. It is what I consider to be a weak link sport. Okay. Basketball is a strong link sport. LeBron James can carry a team to the finals with Larry Hughes being the number two player. Now, you're not going to win the finals, but a strong link can take you a long way. And we have a very strong link at quarterback, and he's taken us a very long way. But ultimately, if you have too many weak links, you're you're going to lose. You you just are. Once again, nobody is asking for Patrick Peterson, Corey Webster, Champ Bailey level performance. No one's asking for that. Just someone who can play. And hold their own. All right. It's it's to the point where it's it's unplayable. Okay. Now, once again, is Say Ryan playing out of position? Brian Kelly brought that up. You know, he's a nickel who's having to play outside corner right now. Okay. True. But we we've we something has got to change with that. I mean, something has got to change. Okay. Uh, I mean, we we are in do or die mode right now. Okay, there is no wiggle room, and if we're being real, if we had one of Missouri's corners versus Ole Miss, one, 
Okay, we're talking about Missouri. We're not talking about one of Georgia's corners. We're not talking about one of Alabama's corners. I'm not asking for Jaquincy Kool-Aid McKinstry. If we had one of their corners, we beat Ole Miss because we're making some of the tackles that were missed. Okay, and I think LSU kind of sent a message this past weekend that Denver Harris was available. He was on the side. He was available. But Terrence Welsh was available. He was there on the sideline. They didn't even run him out there. So we are running out of options. Exhaust all those options. Okay. Football is a little bit more positionless than we would like to think. Okay. We, we get rigid if one player plays one certain position and that is your position. Okay. There are some positions that are very rigid. Quarterback is one of them. Uh, but kicker is one of them. Deep snapper, you know, your job is your job, right? That's your position. But DBs that would be good wide receivers, uh, I still believe Ron Brooks would have been a ridiculous slot wide receiver at LSU. Started his career at LSU as a wide receiver. Turned out to be one of the most underrated DBs we, we've seen at LSU. Try it. Do do something because it, it, I don't have an issue with someone just being good. All right? We won a lot of games with John Battles, Ricky Jeffersons, Danny McCrae's. Uh, some of these guys might be new names for you. Okay. Not everybody's got to be Leron Landry. We just need playable, breathing organisms that can go out there and do something. Okay. Um, McBride's, a, I wish he was available because <laughs> he is hella athletic. Uh, but yes. Let's go to Cody here. Why should major burns have fallen down? Okay. Great question. Because a lot of people don't quite get the logic. So this and, and once again, one thing that and, and I, I need to go back and re-listen to the full quote. All right. In a two-minute defensive situation, Cody. The DB coaches and head coaches should tell the DBs if you catch an interception, and this honestly goes for all the defense. If you pick up a fumble, you catch an interception, anything like that, fall down because the game is over. All right. Now, those situations are very rare. 99% of the time, you should take a pick six to the house, okay? But in that situation, Missouri had no timeouts left. You catch the interception, fall down, the game is over. It's less than a minute remaining. So if you score, even though it is unlikely Missouri is going to come back and, 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 and win the game, the game is over if you just fall down, all right? Unless, of course, you're coached by... Mario Cristobal. In that instance, the game is not over. For those I got that reference, you probably laughed pretty loud at that. <laughs> um, 
But the truth here is you should fall down. Now, would I say that this interception was unique and that Major Burns saw the end zone and he caught, you know, it's different than like a tip ball INT where the whole defense and offense is in front of you. No, he caught that and saw pay dirt and just housed it. I uh, probably really wouldn't think it in that spot. Um, but yes, you should fall down. Okay. And I will tell you this, if major Burns did fall down, he would have gotten a lot of love, right? You, you would go more viral. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes had a play like this versus the jets on offense he had a first down, but he didn't score. He just slid and stood in bounds, and the game was over. People will show you love now on social media for doing the smart thing. But I don't think Major Burns has ever had a pick six, so you know he gets that to his stat line. Um, so, uh, and, and look, another thing, Cody, and, and – this is where it gets even more layered. Major Burns scoring the pick six did cover the spread. So it was a bad beat. The back door was open in Missouri. So you 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 should fall down. Now, the difference here is that is also on Kerry Cooks and Robert Steeples. Okay, that is normally a position coach's responsibility to tell the players in that situation, if you catch it, fall down. But we'll see. A very rare instance that probably won't come up again, but we'll see. Jared, good to see you on Facebook, man. But yeah, let me let me ask you this. Now, this likelihood is also very little, but what if you know you score pick six and the let's say they don't come back and win, but let's just say a defensive player gets hurt on that final drive. You know, you could just end it, take an E uh, if you if you just fall down, but not that big a deal. It's not. Now I do want to bring up one thing, and I kind of wish this was asked about in the postgame press conference. You know, when, when an offense is playing really well, you always do want to look for improvement. The greats always improve what they can, right? You know, the great comedians tape their sets and tighten their punchlines. The, the great actors will do 50 cuts until it's perfect, so on and so on. In sports, it's the same way. If you're doing something great, you should always go back and listen. I've gotten better um, now, especially um, with iTunes and Spotify. I do upload pretty much every show that we do on both those platforms, so check it out. I prefer you watch on YouTube. I, I always prefer. Um, one thing that I thought was really bad from Brian Kelly, okay, and it's fine. I love Brian Kelly. He should be the coach. I, I don't understand all these people saying, well, he's in over his head and so-and-so or whatever. And 
you look at Notre Dame and they're getting blown out by Louisville. Okay. And Notre Dame was six point favorites. I do think Brian Kelly is not been as sharp as a game manager this year as he was last year. And to me, what I would tell him, okay, is obviously the, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in his fourth down decision-making process. He's been really good on fourth down. I didn't like the last two big punt decisions he made. Obviously, punting on fourth and three in the first half I thought wasn't smart. And then, obviously, the punt uh, versus Ole Miss I didn't agree with when we were only up by two. Uh, but I, I've shared I've sh- shared my piece on all of that and the delay of game stuff and and all that. I do put a lot at the feet of Brian Kelly for how we ended that game offensively versus Missouri. And in the film study, you know, I was very praiseful of Brian Kelly, but I was very critical. That was horrible, and I cannot state this enough. When Jaden Daniels fumbled the ball, and this is something we get wrong in sports all the time, your best plays are oftentimes the negative plays that are avoided into being disastrous plays, okay? The two most underrated plays in this game, Garrett Nussmeyer avoiding the sack after the bad snap all right, and Jaden Daniels recovering the fumble, okay? And I get labeled as a Jaden apologist way too often than I think is just unfair. Should he fumble the football in that that situation? No. But I would have put 110% on Brian Kelly and Mike Denbrock going 13 personnel when all we need is one first down to win the game and we take Malik neighbors off the field. If Jaden Daniels had fallen down after the fumble and a lot of players, when they fumble, they fall down because they're either being tackled or they're discombobulated after, uh, you know, the ball being stripped. The one thing, if you fumble a zone read like you did, like you did versus Texas A&M the year before, there's nobody else back there. It's not like a fumble in the middle of a scrum where there's a bunch of offensive linemen and tight ends mixed in there. If he falls down, we, we had nobody close to the football. Missouri picks up, scoops and scores, and they win the game. Let's just say they just fall on it. They're in field goal range. And we are trusting our defense with, what, a minute left to keep them out of field goal range? It's tough. I don't, I don't care how sour this comes off. We should never do that again. And it's not necessarily, you know, going 13 personnel. I'm fine with going 12. I'm fine with going 13. We don't have the personnel to go to those personnel groupings. Okay. We have got to keep our best players on the field when the game is on the line. And Malik Neighbors wasn't out there on the field. And that's another thing about the fumble. If we have heavier personnel out there, there's not as many people to tackle, you know, someone if there is a disaster in that spot. So I I would have loved someone to ask about that end of game sequence. Okay. Now, 
Other than that, I think Brian Kelly was phenomenal. I really do think so. Obviously a great game plan. Mike Denbrock's been the best offensive coordinator in America uh, with some of the play calls. The, the, it's just been amazing. I would not have gone 13 there at the end. I, I, I wouldn't have. Brian Kelly also made a really bold decision to go to Charles Turner. Then uh, we go to Marlon Martinez and then bench him for, for DJ Chester. That was a really good decision. Really, really good decision. Yeah, I know. Yeah, okay. So this will probably get picked up by Notre Dame, whatever. That's okay. And once again, I was just critical of Brian Kelly. I I try to be as objective as I can. I understand BK's my guy and Marcus Freeman is their guy. The truth is, LSU should have no qualms with Marcus Freeman. If you're sour that he didn't take our D.C. job, so what? Okay. That decision ended up being huge for him. So he, he lucked into this Notre Dame job. And there is not a coach who is being consistently praised by the media who is in over his head as much as Marcus Freeman is in over his head. Now, he is still very young. And there is no coach in America worse than Jimbo Fisher right now. And there are a lot of candidates out there. Jimbo is the worst. Um, the worst thing in life is to think someone is good, but they're not good. In fact, they're bad. Jimbo Fisher is a bad coach. Marcus Freeman, I'm not going to call him just a bad coach because he's so young. This is first ever head coaching job. But call me crazy. I just don't want to hand the keys of a power five job to a defensive minded coach um who's never been a head coach before okay um it's 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 strange to me it's very strange i mean mississippi state looks awful um let's be honest notre dame was very lucky to win that game versus duke they got very unlucky versus ohio state and they get blown out um, in in this game versus uh, Louisville. So, yeah. Exactly, show enough. Point exactly. But no, no, no one wants to talk about it. And I, I don't know why. Um, but... God, that was such a good play by Jaden to pick up that fumble. Well, Gardner, he shouldn't have fumbled it. Well, on first down, we handed the football off for no gain. Then on second down, the defense was playing for Jaden to not hand the football off at all. So he was a sitting duck back there. Should he have fumbled? No. But the fact that he didn't fall down and picked up the fumble again, one of the best teams. Okay. Yeah, Chance, and it's part of the reason why I want the early signing period and the portal period to be pushed back. It is the best thing for the coaches and the players in the sport, okay? You know, you go into panic mode because you don't want to lose your roster. 
and this is well stated by Pierce, nothing against Marcus Freeman, nothing against him. Um, I totally agree with this. Totally agree with this. Um, three nights a little rich. I mean, I still think that they would probably go like six and six. Uh, But you're right. Overall, you are right. Now, let's see. Who who I was gonna give I, I should have done this earlier. Maybe would have had a few more super chats. It's okay. It's all good. I wanted to give this out. This TM6 card. I might wait till the Tuesday night live stream. To give out the TM6. So I'm I've been having this thing out. For a while, I even had a BTS reference. Let me know if y'all like the music references in the film study yesterday. Put Justin Timberlake on on uh, on my thumbnail, and guess what? Um, people clicked. Or at least I think they're clicking at about the same rate. I think Terrace is in uh, still Carolina, right? Now, if you notice, I am wearing my Joe Burrow Jamar Chase shirt. Uh, I got a few of these. Um, God, they were good. They were good. And Tyron Matthew had a pick six yesterday in the Saints win. So wait, not only that, DJ Chark, I think, caught a touchdown yesterday. Foster Moreau caught a touchdown. The Foster Moreau touchdown yesterday was so underrated. So my wife works at a store. She's tried to call me. There's a crazy person at her store. So I'm hoping she's okay. You don't want me to take the call? See if she's all right? It's starting to get worried. Let's see. Oh she oh she 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 had to call in backups. I'm gonna begin a, a mouthful later tonight. Why didn't you pick up the call when this crazy person was in here? Isn't it crazy? Dude, I sent Chance, I sent so many trade requests for like Jamar Chase after week one. 
Yeah, it would have been interesting, Ethan, how that worked out. Let's go to Rumble Road. Okay. There, there's. I already know it's going to get cut out. It's, it's going to get cut out. The truth is, and this is coming from a comedian who has bombed plenty of times. I don't do stand-up really at all anymore. I have bombed so often. And I, 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 I'm RG3. I like a good pun. So someone who says a lot of unfunny things. I know unfunny. Brian Kelly is always going to try to do something to get a laugh. And it's just not funny. He's had so many jokes just fall flat. I like it. Be yourself. Don't change who you are. I'm serious. The Kylan Jackson quote about the the gold chains and all that stuff. Well, as as Justin Jefferson showed you, you probably shouldn't play with with a, a gold chain, right? Uh, the tying the shoe stuff. I I don't know. I don't know. But the truth, Rumble is Kylan Jackson at this point is probably not ready to contribute in year one. I really liked him. I think he is a guy that could help LSU a lot out on special teams. Okay. But the style of humor that Brian Kelly tries to use is not one that is good for like a press conference, like kind of clipping, right? So much of comedy depends on setting, right? There are a lot of great stand-ups that you'll be around, and then off the stage, they say nothing. They say absolutely nothing. They're to themselves or not really saying anything, right? So, you know, setting is so important. And some of the humor that Brian Kelly tries to do is like, It, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't come off well. Also, something else about being funny. It is hard to be funny and rich. Okay. It's it's hard to be funny and rich. It's it. <laughs> comedy is about punching up or punching down. Okay. Um, and it's hard when a very successful coach who coached at Notre Dame and now he's coaching at LSU. Okay. So if you make a joke about a player who, especially a freshman one, it, it just isn't always going to sound right. I don't think he was like being overly demeaning though of, of him. Okay. Let's go to Blanche. First super chatter gets to you. Yeah, so they uh, they they asked about Denver Harris. He was available. Um, you know, there, there was an interesting moment. So Jacques Doucet was at the Missouri game, and he saw Denver Harris go to uh, the locker room, and he reported on it, and then he was right back out. So, and then he reported that he was right back out. So there was some concern that something did happen there. At this point, he is available, and he is there. And I think one of the best things, Blanche, that happened to him is seeing the LSU defense get torched again. 
and him not be able to do anything about it. All right, because they weren't playing him. So maybe this sends a message to him saying, hey, we aren't playing well right now, and we're still not playing you. So start doing the little things right better and, you know, get to it. But at this point, I still think of the players who who, who have played up at, at, at – and we've had a lot of individual corner performances that have hurt LSU really bad. I still think Denver versus Ole Miss was the most damaging up to this point. Um, and look, this is a guy who, who had Denver Harris as one of the best transfers coming in. And I really liked him coming out of high school. He was a five-star. He, he had some LSU, um, not necessarily crystal balls, but LSU recruited him, and it just didn't work out. Uh, let's go to Leonard. Thank you so much, Leonard. I really appreciate you. Always supporting the PHL. Love. Uh, Leonard, DM me on Twitter. I know you're trying to get a hat. I'm down to one final hat to give away. And let's... I always have this photo. Leonard's been rocking with me for a very long time. Look at that. That's all the PHL merch. My wife gets on me for not sharing the PHL merch link more often. Please go to powerhourlsu.com slash shop. Okay. So there you go. Now, um, you're certainly right about Jaden. Uh, Jaden. Uh, I do agree with your point that the hits will eventually pile themselves up. So, yeah. Man, if you guys knew how much subscribers. Really, I mean, it is cool to hit 10, 10 k. It's it's hard in the LSU niche. Um, but the only way I can have success is if you watch, right? That's why you know it doesn't matter how many subscribers you have. I mean, there's channels that have a million subscribers, and my videos get more views more consistently than they do. Okay, it all comes down to if you're watching or not. Cool, you hit subscribers. If I had a hundred k, I get a silver plaque. Whatever. Um, but yeah, so Deuce Chestnut is out of the equation at this point. You know, I, I won't go any further in, in into what's going on with all of that other than that there's, there's nothing more damaging when you're a healthy scratch and the position group is, is struggling. Okay. Um, now let me say this about corner. I, I know we spent a lot of time at, at talking about corners. Okay. We've not mentioned Andre Sam's name at all. He struggled this past weekend versus Missouri, but part of some of the weight that is on his shoulders is because our, our corners aren't playing well. Okay. And the big thing that they're not doing well right now is tackling. Okay. You can get beat all day. Sure. The one thing, you know, if you get beat on a jump ball, let's say the the Theo Weiss ball, uh, 
you know, there's different ways to defend that. Some coaches don't want you to turn their head on a on a fade like that. Some coaches do. Okay. The one thing about a jump ball situation, though, is it's a very difficult throw to make. It takes a really good throw, um, you know, for Theo Weiss to catch that ball. So you give Brady Cook a lot of credit. One thing that is not a difficult throw is throwing underneath and you not tackling the guy. Okay. And our corners have not done a good job filling in the run game or the pass game. And what that does is it puts so much more pressure on Andre Sam and Major Burns to be perfect. Okay. Now think of all the snaps that these two young men are having. I say young men, they're some of the older players on the team. But think about all the snaps these guys have been having to play. It's it's a lot. It is a lot of snaps. Okay. And I understand that I, I've been very protective of Andre Sam because he actually has shown he could be elite. He was elite versus Mississippi State. He was elite versus Arkansas. And these last two games have not been the case. Well, keep in mind, he's oftentimes running down tacklers. 88 snaps last week versus Ole Miss. He was on the field for a majority of them. These, these begin to rack up, okay? So – we, we've just got to be better. We just do. Okay. Now, we'll take a few more here in the next few minutes. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it moving. Let me check on my wife real quick. I hope she's not getting kidnapped. Let me share this. Um, you know, one thing that um, I'm probably going to do after this is go listen to um, Hugh Freeze press conferences. He normally gives a very interesting press conference. Um, I'm going to share this with you. Okay. Something else about Andre Sam I could say is that dude is playing 110% at all times. All right. So there's Hugh Freeze on Jaden Daniels. I don't want to talk about game plans, but I don't think you could stop him. There are just too many weapons around him, and he's too good. The key to this game is can we hold to the them to field goals? Truthfully, nobody has stopped him. He plays so effortlessly. Literally runs 40-yard touchdowns, and it looks like he's jogging, and yet no one is catching him. His balls are so accurate to those talented receivers. It's a hard task. To this point, I haven't watched future opponents, so nobody uses for bulletin board material. But to this point, it's the best offensive personnel I've seen in this league. Now tell me when a coach has been more complimentary than saying, hey, we can't stop those guys. 
That's crazy. 20K. Let's get there. It's a long way to go. Yeah. Keep keep getting those subs in there. That's obviously a really cool quote on Jaden Daniels. All right, y'all. We will be live tonight with my buddy Blake Rafino on the AYS Network. So we'll see you Monday nights, uh, every Monday nights at 730. Don't forget about my live stream schedules. Tuesdays, 815. Thursdays, 815. Wednesday, 6 p.m. Central. Some earlier, uh, an earlier time for our East Coasters. And then on Wednesday, we'll have um, a little film study for you to get ready for the Auburn game. It is. Power. Power. LSU. Boom. And tonight, we are doing a lemon pepper chicken wings. Let's.